0: In October 2022, three men scubaed near Catalina Island. Two of them, Pablo and Javier, had decades of practice. The third, Javier's son Joshua, was an experienced diver in his own right.
1: The trio soaked up the cool salt water and California sunshine and admired the vibrant orange fish around the island's coast.
0: Eventually, Javier checked everyone's oxygen tanks and called it a day. The men slowly rose through the water.
1: As they broke through the surface, Pablo ripped off his mask, coughing, desperately trying to inhale fresh air. He gasped, then signaled wildly. He couldn't breathe.
0: Within seconds, Pablo passed out. Joshua grabbed onto him, struggling to keep him above the waves. But in the panic, he started hyperventilating. Joshua couldn't keep himself and Pablo
1: afloat. Meanwhile, Javier screamed for help. He tried to keep the pair above water, eyes searching the waves for a boat or lifeguard.
0: Instead, he saw a glimmering four-foot-long fishtail and the face of a young woman, a mermaid.
1: She swam up to Pablo, grabbed his face, and breathed air into his lungs. Then, another mermaid appeared, calming Joshua and helping him float.
0: Javier had to wipe off his goggles, long hair, colorful tails, seashell bras. It was like a scene out of Splash, especially after a third mermaid appeared and started pulling the three men toward the beach.
1: Javier, Pablo, and Joshua lived to tell their tale to the local news, and no one denied their story. They had been rescued by mermaids. Just
0: not in the way you'd expect.
1: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly.
0: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
1: Every Tuesday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
0: This is our final episode on mermaids. Humans have reported sightings of these half-fish, half-human creatures for centuries. They've been called goddesses, murderers, seductresses, and occasionally scammers.
1: Last time, we examined historic accounts and mysterious sightings. We also dove into the scientific plausibility of mermaids living in the deep ocean. And while we can't confirm they're out there, we can confirm they're alive and well in our collective psyche.
0: Today, we'll discuss theories explaining why humans historically want to be mermaids. Perhaps because these creatures are our ancient ancestors, our subconscious aspiration, or an ominous warning.
1: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
0: In Disney's The Little Mermaid, Ariel famously trades her voice for three days as a human. It's that kind of unfair Faustian bargain common in fairy tales. But if we flip the story around and it's the human who gets to be a mermaid, well, that tragedy becomes a fantasy because humans dream of being mermaids.
1: This obsession isn't hard to find. Just look at movies mermaid films dominate the modern box office. There are, of course, multiple versions of The Little Mermaid, but also Splash, The Lady in the Water, Aquamarine, and the 2017 Best Picture winner, The Shape of Water.
0: And my personal favorite, Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid. It's the classic mermaid movie. It has everything, comedy, romance, fantasy, I loved it as a kid, and it still holds a special place in my heart.
1: Mermaids have a way of doing that. They capture our intrigue and imagination. In fact, there's so much interest, the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has an official webpage to answer, are mermaids real?
0: They update it regularly, but as of 2023, the official status is... No evidence of aquatic humanoids has ever been found.
1: And yet, not only can't we stop talking about mermaids, we're still asserting they're real. Viral mermaid sightings are crowding the Internet. Under TikTok's Real Mermaid category, there are over 500 million views and counting.
0: But some people don't just claim to see mermaids. They claim to be them. And this goes back to the Middle Ages.
1: For hundreds of years, the European royal houses of Anjou, Luxembourg, Lusignan, and Plantagenet maintained they all descended from a mermaid, the same mermaid.
0: Before we unpack the plausibility of these claims, we'll briefly retell the strange family lore behind it with a few added flourishes of our own. Much like the tale of Undine from our last episode, the story begins with a lone prince lost in a forest.
1: Prince Raymond couldn't recall ever being so thirsty. He'd taken a wrong turn in the woods, panicked, and found his mouth dry with anxiety. Not even chugging his entire water supply could quench him.
0: He wiped his mouth and tried his best to push his worries aside. He would find water, he told himself, and his way out of the forest. He just had to keep walking.
1: Raymond strode forward with his best air of confidence and stopped dead in his tracks.
0: In the distance, Raymond heard beautiful singing, a woman's high soprano. He was saved.
1: He ran toward the voice and soon he heard what sounded like water.
0: Up ahead, there was a stream and then a waterfall. Raymond raced toward it, splashing into the pool. As he cupped handfuls of clear, cool water to his mouth, he finally felt his thirst slaked.
1: He paused for breath. That's when he realized the singing had stopped. He looked around and there was a woman staring up at him the water.
0: Raymond blushed at the impropriety of having caught a lady bathing, but soon he realized she was fully clothed, wearing a long white gown. Despite the odd circumstances, he greeted her. Good day, madam. Are you in need of any assistance?
1: Her big blue eyes stared at Raymond as she rose from the water, wet dress clinging to her figure. She took him in. Finally, she said, no thank you.
0: Raymond stared speechless. Ladies never turn down help from the prince.
1: The woman spoke again. Do you plan to spend all afternoon staring?
0: Raymond snapped out of it. Scrambling, he made an inane comment about how her dress must weigh her down in the water.
1: She replied coyly, it would be much more dangerous for a man to find her bathing without a dress.
0: Raymond nodded. Her husband must be very protective of her.
1: Wringing out her hair, the lady corrected him. She was unmarried.
0: Raymond's mouth was dry again. He drank more water, but as he looked at the woman, he couldn't help but blurt out that if she married him, she'd have her own private porcelain tub and never fear a stranger's eyes again.
1: The woman laughed then realized Raymond was serious. You're proposing marriage? You don't know my name.
0: Raymond didn't need to know her name. He'd never seen a woman more beautiful. He introduced himself. Prince Raymond, future king of this realm.
1: She said her name was Melusine, and if he was serious, he could meet her here again tomorrow. Then she dove underwater and swam away.
0: Raymond stayed near the waterfall, living off game he could shoot in the woods. Each day, Melusine swam up to him and Raymond proposed marriage. And each day Melusine said no, until finally she changed her answer.
1: I shall marry you on one condition. Each Saturday I'll retire to my chambers with a lock on the door. You must leave me completely alone for the entire day and night. Come Sunday morning, I shall be yours again."
0: The request was odd, but Raymond agreed to her terms.
1: At that, Melusine finally stepped fully out of the water. Her small feet left perfect footprints in the wet sand. Seeing she was barefoot, Raymond carried her to his castle, where they married immediately.
0: Several bliss filled days later, Meliazine turned to Raymond in their bed.
1: Remember, tomorrow is Saturday. I shall be in my private chamber with the door locked. Do not knock. Do not look for me. Do not even call my name. Understood?
0: Raymond nodded and kissed his wife goodnight. And as promised, when he awoke the next morning, Meliazine had vanished.
1: Raymond spent the day bow hunting with his father, the king. All was well, until the king suggested Raymond's new wife join them for supper.
0: Raymond explained the terms of his marriage. Tonight was impossible. How about supper tomorrow?
1: The king snapped his bow in half, then his arrows.
0: How dare Raymond allow a woman to dictate the plans of the prince and now the king? Raymond must track her down at once and put his wife in her place.
1: Any words he might have spoken lodged in Raymond's throat, so his father continued ranting.
0: There's only one reason a woman hides from her husband, an affair. This vile woman had married Raymond for his title while her heart belonged to another. At this very moment, an unworthy peasant was defiling the prince's wife, They ought to chop her in half at the waist.
1: No, Raymond choked out the word through his dry lips. No.
0: His father rode off fuming.
1: Raymond turned toward home, fuming himself. He wondered if there was a way to warn Melusine of his father's deadly threat.
0: As he was thinking, a storm broke out. Raymond ignored it, continuing home and going straight to bed.
1: The next morning, the king still hadn't returned, so Raymond sent a search party into the rainstorm.
0: They quickly found him. The king's horse had slipped on wet gravel, and both horse and rider had fallen into a waterfall and drowned. The king was dead. Long live King Raymond.
1: Though he died, Raymond's father's words remained. Maybe Raymond had married a harlot or devil worshiper, a trickster who delighted in infidelity. But he
0: ignored the whispers in his mind. He was king, he had a beautiful queen, and soon a new prince on the way.
1: Under King Raymond, the country flourished. The fields were fertile and the castles and churches stunning. Melusine had a gift for architecture. Her designs were like none he'd ever seen.
0: Raymond boasted loudly about his wife to quiet the whispers in his head and his court, especially after his son arrived with a fang protruding from his lips.
1: These things happen, Raymond reminded himself. The fang could be pulled if he failed to grow into it. Besides, their later children were undeniably Raymond's, Soon, the royal couple had ten children, and counting. For decades, the kingdom flourished.
0: Except every so often, the dead king's haunting words returned. Harlot. Devil worshipper. Charlatan. Faithless woman.
1: One Saturday, the voice in his head was so loud, he could no longer stand it. Raymond crept to Melusine's private chamber door, and listened.
0: There were loud splashes. Too loud to be made by his petite wife. There had to be someone else
1: in there. Raymond raised his eye to the keyhole. Squinting, he saw Melusine in the tub with a giant fish. This was worse than he imagined. She'd betrayed their marriage vows with a beast.
0: Raymond watched in horror as his wife arched her back out of the water, as if to show the monster her bare torso. But below her navel wasn't the smooth skin Raymond knew, but rings upon rings of fish scales. They ended in a forked tail and two sets of
1: fins. Melusine wasn't consorting with a demon. She was one, a mermaid.
0: Raymond swallowed. His mouth was no longer dry. Sure, his wife had a horrifying secret, but there was no other man. The shame of her demon form would be theirs alone, a shared, private burden. He sighed in relief, and as his body relaxed against the door, it creaked.
1: Melusine's head snapped around at the noise, meeting Raymond's eye through the lock. Her face grew stormy, then despondent with grief.
0: Before Raymond could move, the tub cracked in two. Melusine rose and in a hurricane of water flew out the window. Raymond never saw his wife again.
1: And so ends the tale of Melusine. But for the noble dynasties of Europe, it's only the beginning.
0: Coming up, the strange and dangerous history of our mermaid obsession. Now, back to the story.
1: Most royal families claim to have legendary ancestry. Usually, they'll trace their lineage to a king or conqueror who hoisted their dynasty to power. Or in the case of Egyptian and Japanese royals, they claim to be the descendants of actual gods.
0: But this pattern took a turn for the bizarre in the Middle Ages when the European royal houses of Anjou, Luxembourg, Lusignan, and Plantagenet all claimed to be descended from a mermaid named Melusine.
1: As these families expanded their kingdoms from England to Armenia, Melusine's influence spread through Europe. She was known as the founder of the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, the builder of the French Chateau Lusignan, and the ancestor of England's famous Richard the Lionhearted.
0: And get this, Richard's an ancestor of the current British royal family, technically making King Charles III a descendant of a mermaid.
1: And though the king might not be crying that from the rooftops, his ancestors were. Some royal lineages even put Melusine on their flags, shields, and coats of arms. She got so popular that in medieval heraldry, the symbol of a two-tailed mermaid is simply called a Melusine.
0: But she wasn't just a pretty fishtail. The nobles claimed that Melusine actively protected them. Legends said the mermaid came back every seven years to check on her children and grandchildren.
1: Her appearance brought good luck, though it wasn't all about luck. In the 1300s, the French Duke of Berry commissioned a book to record the history of Melusine's bloodline, titled Melusine, or The Noble History of Lusignan. He had this combination of fairy tale and genealogy text spread widely.
0: This wasn't because of a sudden interest in genealogy. The Duke had just won control of Chateau Lusignan and he claimed his ancestral connection to Melusine legitimized his takeover. He wasn't invading someone else's home. He was taking back his birthright.
1: The Duke's book even includes a claim that, during a battle for the Chateau, the usurper saw Melusine flying above them and promptly surrendered.
0: Claiming mermaid ancestry was a clear power grab. But what's not clear is why it worked. Why tell and retell a tale of a mermaid as opposed to a legendary human queen?
1: Perhaps the story's power lies in the idea that being part mermaid was better than being a human. It meant you were tinged with something otherworldly and more powerful.
0: But the desire for a mermaid connection isn't something that died out with knights and castles. There are hundreds of people trying to be mermaids today.
1: Last week, we briefly mentioned mermaids as a fantasy concocted by lonely sailors. But that was a look at mermaids through the male gaze. Women's interest in mermaids is much different. By and large, they don't want to kiss mermaids. They want to be them.
0: And some men want to be mermaids, too.
1: There's an entire modern mermaid subculture out there. These people spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours to feel like mermaids.
0: They grow their hair long and sew custom
1: seashell bras. They buy silicone tails and learn to swim in them.
0: They video themselves underwater and post it on TikTok.
1: Their usernames and handles even identify them as mermaids.
0: I actually have a friend in Miami who does this. She has a full mermaid costume and is even part of a mermaid society. She said she loved mermaids as a little girl, but when she saw Splash, well, that was it. (laughs) She's gotten into this big time. In fact, she considers herself a recreational mermaid. But even as a recreational mermaid, she has 15,000 followers on social media.
1: That's amazing. Well, outside of social clubs, some mermaids are professional performers doing shows at venues like Sacramento's Dive Bar or Florida's Weeki Wachee Springs. Others attend conventions across the United States, join camps to learn how to be a mermaid, and even take mermaid rescue diving classes.
0: Remember the trio of mermaids who rescued the struggling scuba divers at the beginning of this episode? It turned out they weren't mermaids in the mythical sense. They were trained to rescue divers in silicone fishtails.
1: The women were actually part of a rescue and safety class for mermaid enthusiasts when they heard the cries for help. In this way, they lived out some mermaid tales, like the little mermaid rescuing her drowning prince.
0: But that's not the only legend modern mermaids echo.
1: While traditional mermaids spell death for sailors, Modern mermaids routinely risk their own lives.
0: Take those at Weeki Wachee Springs. They perform on an underwater stage built into the side of a natural spring. To enter, they have to swim through a 64-foot underwater tube which dumps out about 20 feet below the surface, all in a single breath.
1: They stay deep underwater without scuba gear throughout the 20-minute show. The mermaids breathe through specialized air hoses, slippery tubes they must keep track of while executing synchronized swimming and acrobatics.
0: They're essentially free divers and always run a small risk of injury. To keep their mermaids safe, Wikiwachi trains them for four months before they're allowed to perform.
1: But take breathing and diving out of the equation, and the mermaids are still in a natural spring located in a state park. They're exposed to all manner of Florida wildlife, like alligators.
0: And while all the wiki mermaids have remained fairly safe, not all mermaid performers are so lucky.
1: Las Vegas's Silvertone Casino features mermaid performers inside their fish tank, which also contains sharks and other dangerous creatures.
0: In 2014, one Silverton mermaid told the LA Times that certain fish in the tank had grown territorial, biting the divers and mermaids during their shows.
1: However, that didn't stop her from diving in for her latest performance. She curved through the water, waving at the children who peered through the tank's glass, wide-eyed with fascination.
0: Choosing one boy, she dropped her air hose. Then the mermaid gestured to command his attention. She blew him a kiss, bubbles rising from her lips.
1: Outside the tank, the boy grinned. Inside, something was swimming straight toward the mermaid.
0: Before she realized it, something fleshy whacked her in the head, the tail of a stingray.
1: The mermaid faltered in the water. Head-throbbing, disorienting pain overtook her. She couldn't swim to the surface, she couldn't find her oxygen hose, and something else was swimming at her.
0: A safety diver quickly grabbed the mermaid and yanked her out of the
1: tank. The mermaid survived to share her story with the LA Times and to keep performing. You heard that right. Despite the occasional brushes with life-threatening danger, she loved being a mermaid.
0: And usually, that love for mermaids starts young. Because while there's a huge market for adult mermaid tails, there's arguably an even bigger one for children's tails.
1: But here's the problem. Swimming in a mermaid's tail essentially means your legs are tied together. The professionals master this after heavy training. They also use a hidden device called a monofin, which is like a pair of flippers stuck together so each kick is much more powerful.
0: However, not all mermaid tails on the market have monofins. Many are simple cloth or silicone sheaths designed only for wear on land. But that doesn't stop kids from jumping in the pool. News outlets have picked up plenty of stories of children who almost drowned because they were swimming in unsafe tails.
1: Mermaid tails can be so dangerous, they're banned from public pools in the United Kingdom.
0: And yet, despite all the dangers, people still put the tails on. And they still want to be mermaids.
1: Maybe we're looking at it in the wrong way. Maybe, like the ancient legends, the danger is part of it. And maybe that's tied to something in our DNA.
0: Coming up, the theory that we're all descended from mermaids. Now, back to the story.
1: In the Middle Ages, the European noble houses of Anjou, Lusignan, Luxembourg, and Plantagenet claimed to be part mermaid. They traced their ancestry to the tragic fairy tale of a mermaid queen named Melusine, Melusine was set to reappear for her descendants, usually whenever they needed to bolster their claim to a throne, castle, or piece of land.
0: But this wasn't the first time ancestry claims got mm, fishy. In the 500s BCE, Greek philosopher Anaximander proposed that all humans evolved from fish.
1: That's right. The theory of evolution was discussed long before Darwin. But it vanished when Christianity became the dominant force in Europe, not long before the legend of Melusine appeared.
0: Perhaps as mainstream thinking changed, old ideas were preserved in storytelling. Melusine was a symbol of our aquatic ancestry. She and Raymond were Adam and Eve figures, mythic heroes representing the earliest humans, some of whom came out of the sea.
1: And when mainstream thinking changed again and mermaids were declared hoaxes and sailors' tales, Melusine, too, became a fairy tale. And the European royals stopped referencing her as their powerful, magical ancestor.
0: Until the 1960s, that is. And Professor Sir Alistair Hardy.
1: For much of the 20th century, scientists had been searching for a missing link a fossil of an extinct hominid resembling a great ape. This would prove humans and primates shared a common ancestor. But Hardy believed we were looking in the wrong place. Sure, there were hominid skulls in Africa, but what about the ocean?
0: Professor Hardy was a marine biologist, and naturally he believed that the earliest hominids were water-dependent creatures, or as he called them, aquatic apes.
1: We've all seen the museum diagram of ancient fish sprouting legs, then waddling onto the seashore, much like modern frogs. But what if, after branching off into bipedal primates, some creatures waddled back in?
0: Hardy proposed that at some point a hungry ape-like animal started relying on coastal prey and struck gold. With plentiful food in the ocean, that so-called ape evolved to be increasingly aquatic, losing its hair and learning how to use its thumb and forefinger to grab shellfish. Other researchers have gone even further with the idea, hypothesizing that our ancestors' skulls became more buoyant. Eventually, these aquatic apes became more and more reliant on the sea.
1: Until water levels rose, According to Dr. Mark Verhagen, as food-rich shorelines disappeared, the ape-like creatures ventured inland where they didn't need to depend on diving underwater for survival. But they maintained certain features, an upright posture, relative hairlessness, and even changes in brain structure. And those formerly aquatic apes became us, humans.
0: Meanwhile, those aquatic apes that stayed on the shoreline could have continued evolving. Maybe they grew fins or gills. Maybe they became something like mermaids.
1: And if they did, perhaps the mariner's tales hold a grain of truth. They didn't see a manatee or a mystical being, but the last of an extinct race of hominids. The missing link, coexisting with humans until they eventually went extinct or into hiding deeper in the ocean.
0: Of course, this is all speculation. The biggest evidence against the aquatic ape hypothesis is that even after all these years, it's still only a fringe theory.
1: Professor Hardy, Dr. Verhagen and other proponents never found a missing link in the ocean. Meanwhile, over a dozen new hominid fossils have turned up since the 1960s.
0: But the aquatic ape hypothesis still hasn't been proven false. Sir David Attenborough investigated it in 2016 and found the idea plausible.
1: He said it may not have happened exactly as Dr. Hardy proposed, but he seems to think it's possible that at some point, being able to swim and fish gave humans an evolutionary advantage over other ancient hominids. And compared to other primates, humans have a unique and undeniable connection to the ocean.
0: Swimming, sailing, and fishing are all distinguishing features of our species. If at some point we evolved to depend on an aquatic environment, it explains why we gravitate toward the water today.
1: Maybe the fossils of our aquatic ancestors are still out there, waiting to be found. But in pop culture, our connection to mermaids is still very much alive and well.
0: And so is Melusine. Today she's on street corners around the world, clutched in millions of hands, even emblazoned
1: on paychecks. Because Melusine the mermaid isn't just a symbol for ancient royal houses. Many argue that it's her image being used for the world's most famous and successful coffee brand, Starbucks.
0: According to corporate lore, Starbucks founders named their coffee company after a seafarer in the book Moby Dick, First Mate Starbuck. And when it came to designing a logo, they wanted to continue the
1: nautical theme. Scouring seafaring books, the founders supposedly stumbled upon a medieval woodcut of a siren with two tails. It was perfect. They encircled her with the words Starbucks Coffee, Tea and Spices, and a juggernaut was born.
0: In the years since, Starbucks has rebranded a few times, zooming in closer and closer on the siren's face. At this rate, the logo will be her nose by 2075. But for now, you can still see the pair of fins at the end of her two cropped-out tails.
1: And Starbucks may be the key to understanding why those nobles claimed mermaid ancestry. When deciding how to brand themselves, the Starbucks founders wanted to highlight their connection to the ocean.
0: The company started in a port city, Seattle, so they shipped their products on boats.
1: And the other main ingredient in coffee? Water.
0: Describing their logo, the Starbucks website says, We feel this very strong connection to the water.
1: And it's that strong connection that Starbucks wanted to capture in their branding. So they dug through medieval heraldry, hijacked the Melusine-esque image of a siren, and boom! A few decades later, they're the biggest coffee brand on Earth.
0: Because the connection to the water isn't just confined to coffee roasters and royal houses. It's the human condition.
1: Take this childhood story from one of our writers, Maggie Admire, the writer of this episode. When Maggie was little, she was obsessed with mermaids, but she lived in landlocked Colorado where the pools were only open a few months of the year. She also couldn't swim, it took her years to learn.
0: As a small, uncoordinated child, she was the furthest thing from a mermaid. Yet, she constantly pretended to be one. All Maggie wanted to talk about was mermaids. In kindergarten, she even got in trouble for drawing a mermaid when the assignment was to write out numbers.
1: The obsession was so concerning, one teacher suggested she might have a learning disability.
0: But it soon became clear what was really going on.
1: Shortly before the mermaid obsession manifested, Maggie's family had relocated from Florida to Colorado. In Florida, she lived near the beach and the pool. She was surrounded by endless lakes and rivers. Meanwhile, Colorado was in a historic drought.
0: She was homesick for the only home she'd ever known. And her dream to be a mermaid was how she expressed how much she missed the ocean.
1: Deep down, we yearn for the sea. After all, so many cultures originated near an ocean or large body of water. And this is where mermaid lore comes from. Mermaids represent the allure of water, both its magic and its dangers.
0: Consider the most famous mermaid stories. Each features a complex relationship with strange, seemingly arbitrary rules.
1: Ariel can't use her voice. Undine's husband can't betray her. Melusine's husband can't see her on Saturdays. You get it.
0: The mermaid can only be kept on land with a trick or contract. She can't be tamed for long and can't be owned.
1: Now consider the ocean. The water is fickle, untamable. But with the right tools and boats, we can harness its power. Mermaid stories are about humans exerting power over water.
0: But the ocean isn't just something to be controlled. It sustains life. That's why most mermaids are women, brides, and mothers.
1: And while these creatures may be cautionary tales for audacious men, for women, they're empowering. The fantasy of being a mermaid is to be part of that ocean's majesty, to be dominant and sexy and impossible to drown, to be powerful and have their boundaries respected, So of course, women want to be mermaids. Until this past century, mermaids had it better than human women.
0: For everyone, it seems like Ariel got it wrong. She wanted to be part of our world, but deep down, we wish to be a part of hers. On a primal level, we want to connect to the ocean.
1: And mermaid stories are how we do that, unifying ourselves with the powers of the sea.
0: As for whether or not aquatic humanoids are out there, with new sea creatures turning up every year, we can't fully close the book on the existence of real mermaids, because no one truly knows what it's like under the sea.
1: But part of the beauty of mermaids is their mystery. We can't pin them down, and maybe we don't need to. Because whether they're in folklore or fairy tales, on Starbucks cups, or maybe even our literal DNA, we can't help but believe that mermaids do exist in all of us.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back with another episode next Tuesday.
1: You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained
0: Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production, and Spencer Howard as our post-production supervisor. Quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Maggie Admire, edited by Wendolyn Sobrozo and Alex Garland, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Chelsea Wood, recorded by Alex Button, Produced by Bruce Katovich and sound designed by Anthony Velsic. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rosner.